0: Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shineman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome everybody to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today I'm very excited to have Amy Andrews with us. So Amy, go ahead and tell us a little bit of your background in the library. Okay, well, I received my um,
1: Bachelor's of Education, Elementary Education from SUNY Geneseo. SUNY is a state University of New York, so that's a state college. And then after that, I went to uh, SUNY Albany, which is a, a larger university, state university, to get my MLS. okay. And while I was taking my teen literature class, a classmate leaned over and said, hey, you graduate in December, don't you? And I said that I did. Mm -hmm. And she said, I have a job for you. So she was a high school librarian. And her colleague, who was the intermediate school librarian was going out on maternity leave. Mm. So she is the reason I found out about the position and I interviewed for it thinking that I would just be a six month maternity leave. But then that librarian took another year off and then she decided to uh, stay home. So that that six month position in an intermediate school, which was fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh in a rural School district in Sullivan County, New York, turned into a three and a half year position.
0: Wow, <laughs> that was just perfect timing with all. It of was. It really, <laughs> and
1: I thank her for that all the time. Yeah. So uh, it was a little uh, a rural life was not quite for me, <laughs> and so I started looking for another position in New York State, and I wound up in Westchester County, which is a much more um, suburban part of the state at a K-5 school and I have been there for 19 years now.
0: Oh my goodness that's a long time to be there. So you're saying these counties and from the state of New York so what does it take to become a school librarian in New York? Well I don't know that I'm completely
1: up to date but I can say what I did and what I've heard from colleagues who are newer to the profession I've heard what they've had to say so because I already had my education degree when I went to library school I didn't have to and because I chose to become a school librarian I didn't have to do as many education classes as some of my classmates because I already had that education degree so um, at the time you did have to have an education degree you had to have an MLS and then you would start with a provisional certification and you'd have to work towards a permanent certification now uh, people who have gotten their um, MLS more recently I think go through the same steps, but they have to do a certain amount of professional development each year to maintain that certification, which I feel like I'm grandfathered into whatever the requirements were, but we do seem to be um, going through a spell where we don't have enough librarians so I had one friend who was certified, uh, she had her provisional certification and she took time off to have her family and let it lapse. Oh. And she realized that it would almost be more work to reactivate it than it was to originally get the degree for mm-hmm. New York state. Wow. So she decided to go work in Connecticut, which was actually closer to where she lives. Okay. So, um for her, that was the bad news, but I think what the good news is in New York State is because they are looking for librarians, I think they are relaxing some of the requirements. So if somebody was thinking about switching from teaching perhaps to become a school librarian, it might not take as much uh, as many requirements as it used to.
0: Okay, very interesting. So people who live in New York or are thinking of moving and they need to, to check into that and find out a little bit more about it. Okay. All right. So it's been a long time and, and you've had two kind of first years. I guess your first year when you started at the middle school um, and then your first year when you started at your elementary school. But what do you really remember about first years? What was that like for you?
1: Well, I almost feel like I've had a third first year, and I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. when, when I first took my um, position at the intermediate school, I was very fortunate that the woman who'd gone out on maternity leave had already done the heavy lifting and switched okay. her schedule from a fixed schedule to a flex schedule. Okay. So I, I didn't realize how lucky I was. At the time that she had already made that shift Mm -hmm. but um, I do remember that it was just it was interesting to go from the the ideals that we would talk about in graduate school to how do I just get through the day you know the reality of of you know my principals asking for this the teachers are asking for this the kids are asking for that So even though in the back of your mind, you might have the ideals that you want your library to be, you do still have to work with the reality of the day-to-day. And that changes depending on where you're working and who you're working with and what the administration's like and what the students are like. So I do remember that being very Mm eye-opening. And then when I went to the elementary school, remember I was coming from a flexible schedule. Right. Then all of a sudden, I was on a fixed schedule, six grades, four sections, four or five sections per grade. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I was teaching six classes a day, and it was like a revolving door because mm-hmm. I didn't even have time to think <laughs> about how that lesson just went before the next group would be dropped off at my door. You're right. So um, that... I felt like luckily I had three and a half years of being a librarian under my belt, because that was very stressful to mm-hmm. adapt to that um, that pace. I was a sick a lot. I was mm-hmm. out um, out sick a lot, even though I had you know been working with kids. It was just the stress level was that much higher, I think. And I was you know I was now I was trying again to earn tenure. And I was trying to impress, you know, my new colleagues. Mm -hmm. So I really felt when I moved to the fixed schedule that I had to take really good notes about what worked and what didn't work because I might do something um, with the classes and then because the library is really a 10-month class, right? Yeah. And, and it's like a 10 month class, but then it's also a six year class. That's That's the way I think of it. Because if I have, if I have that one kid from the first day of kindergarten to the last day of fifth grade, I feel like my curriculum has stretched all that time. Mm -hmm. But unlike a teacher who might teach a lesson on Monday and it doesn't work, she could go back on Tuesday in front of the same kids and say, okay, I'm going to try that again. The librarian doesn't necessarily have that luxury. So I would make sure that I took really started taking really good notes. So I would remember when I came back to the next September and I tried to teach those lessons again, I would say, Oh yeah, that didn't work. This is what I'm going to try this time. Okay. And then the reason I said, I feel like I have a third first year is because two years ago I went from that fixed schedule that I talked about the six classes a day, every day, I went to almost completely flexible. They brought Mm -hmm. in a specialist who recommended that we go to a six-day cycle in terms of uh, lettering the days A, B, C, D, E, F. And so Monday is not necessarily Monday. It's a day A. Okay. And the teachers know that they have music on day A. Okay. know they have P.E. on day B. So um, I am now no longer one of those fixed- classes like art and music and PE, I am now only fixed for kindergarten uh, classes. Okay. So for first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, all of a sudden, I had to figure out how to get those classes into the library. I had to figure out how uh, to make the teachers understand that I was there to help them -hmm. With whatever they needed to cover in their classrooms. And so that has been another big learning curve for me last year, definitely, and I'm still improving on it this year. Mm
0: -hmm. So, how many students are at your school?
1: We have about 550 students.
0: Okay. So, it's a fairly large school. Um, So, Let's, let's talk a little bit about what that transition has been like. How, how did how did you or your principal, I mean, I know you said the the specialist person said, you know, switch to this A, B, C, D, E, F, or however many letters that was, schedule. But um, how did they decide that the library was going to pull out and, and become flexible? How did that happen?
1: Right. So basically, when we were on a five-day schedule, Monday through Friday, the students um, had the f- following five special classes they had um two pe's two musics oh they had six specials so some days they'd have two so they had two musics two pe's one art and one library okay and then kind of floating on top of that are we have three elementary schools. They participate in a FLES program. That's F-L-E-S, foreign language in the elementary school. Mm -hmm. And so they learn Spanish in grades uh, first through fifth. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way it was proposed originally, it was the teacher would come with the class for about 20 minutes, three times a week for this this introduction to Spanish. Mm -hmm. So the specialist that they brought in said, you, you have a limited school day. You have a limited amount of hours. You have to pick what you're going to do. So what they decided was they would take, uh, no teacher would have more than one special a day. So we had six specials but five days. So now we have six days with six specials okay. and they took out one music class and they took out library. So the six classes now are two PEs, two FLES, one music and art. Okay. Now, because kindergarten doesn't have FLES, Spanish, they have two musics and they have library. Okay. So we were told that library would be, uh, by appointment and, uh, it was up to the librarians to kind of
0: make it work. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. Cause so many people, you know, are dying to get into a, a flexible schedule like that, but they're, they don't know. So in your case, it was basically handed to you that way, right? It sounds like it, like you didn't have to go advocate and fight for it or, well, I
1: had I had talked about it in the past. I had talked right. about it how it had would be more meaning. It would be more meaningful for mm-hmm. the library lessons to be tied to what the teachers were doing because going back to that idealistic yeah. graduate class, right. right? That's what we were told we should all be shooting for. So, uh, but at the time before we had fles, and when the teachers needed a certain amount of coverage, the library. library classes provided that
0: okay
1: so it was it was kind of um you know it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse because it had the potential to be more meaningful but at the same time if we weren't required because um the only librarians that are required in new york state are high school librarians okay so as long as we were providing that teacher coverage uh, it, there was, um, like on paper, there was a, a reason to have us. Right. So we, um, we kind of don't want to feel like we're being pushed off to the side to possibly be getting, gotten rid of. Yeah. I guess that's always in the back of anybody's mind. Right. Yeah,
0: definitely. That's good. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that later on um, and just continue our conversation still about the beginning. Sure. Um, so, when you were, and you can choose any of the beginnings that you like. But um, what, if you can think back about yourself at that time, is there any kind of message you would send to yourself or words of encouragement or any kind of advice you'd have for yourself?
1: Well, I feel like I was. Mm, more I tend to, I tend to be a rule follower in my own life and and libraries do have to have certain rules to function but now that I've been in uh, librarianship longer and I think some of the narratives have changed about the job. I feel like um, now I might not have, because like I mentioned, when I first started, I worked at a very rural school district. Uh And I was also young, maybe naive. And I wonder now, you know, how many kids, how many of those kids had books of their own at home? Mm -hmm. And maybe I should have relaxed my rules more about how many books kids could take. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because now I kind of feel like I'd rather them be sitting somewhere else than on my shelves, Mm -hmm. not doing anybody any good if they're just sitting on my shelves in the library. Yeah. So I feel like I've, I've relaxed my thoughts about that, but again, you still have to be able to keep up with the, the check-in and the check-out and the shelving. So if you're going to overload yourself with that, then that could become a detriment too because maybe you can't find anything. So you have to strike the right balance. But I think like the books in people's hands
0: is better. It's very important, yeah. And that was something I really struggled with at the beginning too, just, you know, because I I wanted to control it all. You know, I wanted to know they had two books or they had, you know, whatever it was, I just wanted to control it all just so I could, I was so worried about losing books, you know, and so worried about um, inventory, you know, exactly, all exactly things, but eventually I realized, no. Nope. And I feel like I've <laughs> let go of that. Yeah, that's good. All right. <clears throat> well, with that, this, in, this podcast, we talk about influence a lot. And um, what kind of influence do you see librarians having? And maybe you could even talk about like, as, as you're transitioning to this flexible role or. Uh, Just in general, what kind of librarian influence do you see in your area? Well, I think
1: the piece that was tricky for me last year and this year was that as I became more flexible, the teachers became more scripted. We started buying into certain um, programs where the teachers – are basically no well it's it's uh, october so i'm in unit 2 and i'm it's it's the second week of october so i am on lesson 4 mm-hmm. and that was very disheartening because they were so overwhelmed with what they needed to be doing that i because i've worked with these people for so long i i didn't feel i could like burst into their classrooms and say, okay, now let's come up with some really fun library project because we have all the time in the world in the library, but yeah. they didn't have all the time in the world in their classroom.
0: Interesting.
1: So we were at opposing, uh, perspectives. So basically, um, I tried to get myself, into the meetings that they were having with the experts that they were bringing in about how to run these programs mm-hmm. just so I would have some idea of the jargon that they were using and the materials that were they were using and what they were trying to accomplish so that I could find some sort of way to get my foot into their door. Yeah. And, and in any way, shape or form, right now I'm really focused on their reading and writing. I have another colleague who's uh, better at getting herself um, involved in the science curriculum, but uh, right now I'm just focusing on how I can help out with the
0: reading and the writing. Okay. Okay. And that's it. I like to use the phrase of speak their language. Exactly, so it's very important that we do speak their language and not even just the teachers but also the administrators also uh, so it's just good good points with that of making sure you get invited to meetings because a lot of times they think, oh it's not about you know it's not about the library you know you don't need to be there um, but but we do because that way we can stay on top of things yes All right well do you have any kind of um, influence or future plans? Like, what are you working on now? What are, what's your next steps?
1: Well, I feel like with last year being my first year with the flexible schedule, I really kind of just let kindergarten, uh, lie where it was. I figured I had enough years. I knew what I was doing with kindergarten. I'm just going to let it, let it go. Um, so what I really did last year was I worked with the teachers that I had good relationships with teachers who would come in with their classes, even when they didn't have to, just because they saw the value of it. And so some, sometimes that would help because it word would trickle down that we had done a lesson. And so other people would come to me. But then we had a lot of teachers who switched grade levels between last year and this year. So relationships that I had made stronger last year changed. So what I decided to do this year was um, be a little more proactive and uh, send out emails and say, hey, I just did this lesson on whatever, databases with two of your colleagues. Would the rest of you like to come in? And I figure the teachers who are new to their grade level might be appreciative yeah. to know what the other teachers are doing or to have guidance to say, hey, well, I, as the librarian, have been working with third grade for so many years. You are new to third grade. Mm-hmm. Let's pool our, you know, our knowledge and our resources and you know, get you through the year. Yeah. So that was one thing I was really trying hard this year is focusing those on those teachers who were new on their grade level, okay. figuring that I could, you know, help them a little bit.
0: Okay. And that that's really kind of leading to where I-, I was wanting to continue that conversation about your flexible schedule. Because I-, I can remember, uh, I think it was my last year or two years at-, at an elementary school when I made that switch. And it was so hard to convince the teachers to come. <laughs> Right so what what kind of strategy like what are you doing to try to draw them into your to your library
1: well, and one thing that's hard for me and I think for a lot of librarians is we have to like toot our own horns mm-hmm. and we have to put ourselves out there and just really sell ourselves yeah and um. I had a I colleague who used to there was at one point where I was really trying this was before I had the flexible schedule but I'm glad I had done it in the past where I was really just sending out emails all the time hey we have these new books hey we have these new dvds whatever it was and I had a colleague who would joke about that it was all Amy all the time (laughs) and it's not that it was about me it was it was never about me but it was about the library Mm -hmm. and it was just my name showing up in their inbox Related to something having to do with the library. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm kind of back to that, but more like on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, I knew that the fifth grade teachers were starting their research. And so I just sent out an email saying hey remember we did this great lesson last year or maybe your students need help with note-taking or are you at the point where you need to cite your sources because most teachers even though they've done it in the past they're not really interested in standing up in front of their students and teaching them how to cite sources so you could play to people's uh, not weaknesses, but maybe where they feel out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and offer to do that for them. Okay. Um, we have a readathon going on right now that the PTO is sponsoring. And so I offer book talks to get the kids excited about books so that they're reading, so that they're logging their minutes, which helps all of us because then they're raising money for all the great things that our school does. Mm. So it's really just finding any way, any way in.
0: Yeah. Now You mentioned you knew fifth grade was doing research as an example. Um, when you're new, when you're a new librarian, how, do you have any tips for how people can catch on quickly to like what the teachers are teaching?
1: Right. Well, part of that for us is that when the teachers when the school district decided to use the these new program they're not new programs they're new to us called teachers college and then there's a reading program and a writing program they also hired uh specialists uh, a k2 specialist and a 3-5 specialist across the district and so those people will send out schedules about what's supposed to be worked on okay. and I've gotten myself invited to those meetings. So I could hear what, cause by the, by the names of the units, you might not necessarily know True. what the units are about, the, yeah. the meat of it. So also taking really good notes again, documenting everything that you do. I, I do use a Google calendar and I put as much as I can into the notes section so that now this year I can go back to my Google calendar from last year and see if they're following the same schedule, which is, it's my understanding that they should be,
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: can be proactive and say, Hey, remember last year I taught that lesson about bias. Are you at that point again? So it's, uh, it's this year, it's a, a lot of being proactive Their Their heads are so down and focused on meeting those goals. I have to be done with this unit by this time that um just kind of forcing them to take a
0: breath and uh look around i think okay and so with the kinders i know you said they're coming in weekly so you know that they're they're getting books to read how do you work to ensure that your other kids are checking out books and and reading
1: right so that was another interesting piece of the puzzle last year was the the scheduling specialist introduced this Um, idea. In our school district, it's called a win period, W-I-N. I I know my own children call it, I think, I-E. So it's a period where uh, it helps the teacher know when students are going to be pulled out for services or for music lessons. And so instead of you know having that your core subjects interrupted with people coming and going, you know that this is the time when people are going to go get their um, English as a new language services or whatever mm-hmm. so uh, each each grade level has this win period w i n which stands for what I need ah. and so. Uh, K and first grade have half an hour win periods and second through fifth grade have hour win periods. And so the teachers are in the classroom. They could be um, running stations. They could be offering extra help. They can't teach anything new. Mm -hmm. So uh, last year it was decided that we would use the win periods as book exchange periods. Okay. And it was, uh, it was an interesting way that each grade level uh solved that problem the younger grades they decided the kids were too small to independently be walking to and from the library mm-hmm. so they come as a whole class okay older kids know that the library is open and if they have a few minutes they can come get books
0: yeah okay just out of curiosity do you do you manually yourself do the book checking in checking in or do you have it set up as a station where they can self check out?
1: Well, I have a clerk that I share with another elementary school. Okay. I did used to have a full-time clerk, but a number of years ago, we, uh, they cut a number of the clerk positions. Okay. So because it's a six day cycle, I have her for three of the six days. Okay. So on the, on two of the days that she's there, we try to make those two days, uh, Heavy on book selection, book checkout. So she's usually the person that
0: handles it on those two days. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to picture because if you're, you know, busy doing your teaching, it's it's hard when the kids are coming in and out. That's.
1: I try to be there for readers' advisory Mm -hmm. while they're coming in, but at the same time, I feel like teaching a lesson takes priority so as long as I know that the clerk is there to check the books in and out then I will offer to the teacher to go to his or her classroom and teach the lesson there Mm -hmm. so I feel like we're maximizing our time
0: yeah I mean that's a good point all right so if we if we have any listeners today who are thinking man I really want to try to to switch over to a flexible schedule do you have any like first steps that you would recommend to them Hmm.
1: I think one of my biggest stumbling blocks was that it was the teacher's prep time. And I think at some point they even put it in the contract that the teachers did not have to go to library with their students if they did not want to. So that to me seemed like a hurdle that I would never be able to get over. I, like I said, I did have a few teachers who just saw the intrinsic value and would give up that prep time every once in a while to come and co-teach with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I feel like if you, if you have anyone who feels that way Uh, Maybe invite your administrator in to see that kind of relationship in action. Maybe it doesn't have to be a formally observed lesson, but you could just say, hey, Mrs. So-and-so and and I are working on this really great project. You should stop by and see how well it's working Mm -hmm. because maybe the administrator doesn't even know that a flexible schedule is an option. Yeah. When our when the expert was talking about this, the other librarians and I felt like we almost wished that only third, fourth, and fifth would be flexible and K-1 and 2 would remain fixed so that we could make sure we were still seeing them regularly, instilling that love of reading, yeah. making sure they were taking, you know, materials that were just right for them. So I, I do feel it'll be interesting to see how it continues to develop because I feel in some ways things are not where they used to be and I have to figure Mm -hmm. out how to get them back, you know, not to the same level perhaps, but to a a better level in terms of how often the students are coming
0: into the library. Right. That makes sense. Good idea. All right. Well, Amy, we're starting to wrap up our time together. So when you're, uh, you've been in the field a long time now, you know, what does it, was it 19 years? I just forgot. No, 19 years at the, your current. 19 career.
1: years at my current, uh, position. 20%. It's been 22 years uh-huh. total.
0: So you've seen a lot of ideas come and go. Um, but so what do you do to keep yourself learning and making sure that you're staying, um, at the top of everything? Well, I do, uh, our
1: day- district does offer a certain amount of professional development but it very often it doesn't relate to libraries which i'm yeah. sure many of your listeners can relate to <laughs> so here in new york um each county has uh what we call a BOCES. and um i off the top of my head i can't remember what it stands for but basically there's a there's a lot there's a school library um SLS director, school library services director at the BOCES that will offer professional development. So I make sure to uh, take a look at their calendar every year and some of their offerings are more expensive than others, but they usually have an annual conference and I go to that in the spring. I get emails from places like school library journal and um, Junior Library Guild about free webinars that they're offering after school. I try to do some of those.
0: Okay.
1: Um, the, the BER uh, workshops, um, Bureau of Educational Research, I think those are across the country. I'm going to one of those next week. And um, the reason I wanted to go to that one next week, and I really kind of had to beg for the district to pay for it, is that we had a bond passed last year and that includes renovation of the libraries. Ah, So that's that's really what my future holds,
0: Mm -hmm. is
1: um, advocating for not just what's pretty, Or popular but what's actually functional in a elementary school library Mm -hmm. so uh, that next week's um, workshop has a little bit about that so that's kind of what's gonna happen in my future I also wanted to advocate for I've been on our state's um, book award Okay. We, we have a three apples book award in New York state that we have a couple of different awards, but I've been on that committee for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good way to uh, communicate with people across the state and um, kind of have your finger in uh, something that's going on. Also joining your school library um, division of uh, professional developments like ALA and we have Nyla here in New York state. Um, so making sure that you're a member, but also getting on a board mm-hmm. would uh, help, definitely help you network. And if you had downtime, you could bounce ideas off of people. So I've spent time on uh, different boards as well.
0: Yeah. And honestly, some of the relationships I've made being like on some AASL committees I've stayed up with those people, you know, for 10 years now, you know, just, yes. and it's awesome because you're getting ideas, not just from people in your local area, but you're getting ideas from across America, which just makes your, your ideas even richer, you know, and grow even more. So right, right. Which is what I love about this podcast too, because I'm meeting some really neat people. So as the listeners are um, hearing all the great things that you're doing, if they want to know more, if they want to just follow you so they can keep learning, where can they find you on social media?
1: Well, I am on Facebook as myself, Amy Andrews. Okay. Um, I'm also on uh, Future Ready Librarians, which okay. would be another Facebook page that people might want, a group that people might want to join in because I, I get a lot of good ideas of people posting on Future Ready Librarians. Mm-hmm. Um, my own uh, school website. Uh, it's, it's pretty locked down, but uh, I, I can uh, make some suggestions about what's put on it. That would be uh, ryschools.org, okay. and you could click on Midland School and click on uh, Library Media Center,
0: and you would get to my page. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your ideas today. It was really interesting to listen, you know, as you talked about your transitioning to back to a flexible schedule, I mean, I know there's going to be challenges ahead and uh, as well as great things that happen with that. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story and get, helping people get ideas if they are interested in doing that themselves.
1: Well, thank you for doing this yourself, this podcast. I, I can't imagine what I would have thought, you know, 22 years ago if I'd had someone who I could just plug into my ears and be feeding me ideas.
0: <laughs> I know that kind of that long ago, you know, we never thought about that kind of thing. So that's no, very true. <laughs> very true. But I'm glad you're doing it now. Oh, well, thank you, Amy. I appreciate that. Well, you have a good day and all the listeners have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.